Father, we love you tonight. Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, you came and paid the sacrifice for us. You laid down your life and you call us friends. We love you so much and we can never repay. The only thing we can do is give you our life. You could use it the way you see fit. We dedicate our life to you, Father. That you be glorified. It's all about you. It's all about you, Lord. We just love you so very much. Touch our hearts this night, Lord. Change us to be more like you. Breathe in. Take a deep breath. Song Rick was saying about the breath. Now I had a lung disease. Kept thanking the Lord for the breath of life that he breathed into my lungs. He's the giver of breath. He's the giver of life. He is my breath. Every breath I take from him. A couple weeks ago, I was in here, and I was carrying contest. I was really hurting. I get pains back here. And I called for the prayer for my brethren. They came up and prayed for me. I haven't had no pain since. You know, he's my breath. But sometimes I just need help from my brethren. Man, when you're hurting, it's not time to be proud. You know, any time to be proud. If I need prayer, I need prayer. You know, I know I'm healed. I know I'm healed. But baby, I tell you what, a little booster don't hurt nothing. No. Uh, Saturday at the men's breakfast, Pastor Jeremy ran around the table. And the question, one of the questions he asked is, uh, were we raised? Where do we get saved at? And one of the questions said, what's God speaking to you? And I told him, I said, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. I had been thinking about that for a couple of days when I mentioned that to him. Book of Romans, chapter 2. I know we just studied the book of Romans. I love Romans. Starting chapter, verse 1, chapter 2. Yes. I'm doing New King James. Okay. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, judge. For whenever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man? You who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It leads us to repentance. Uh, last time I preached here, Pastor Chairman, I got done, he sent me a picture. And he said, I reminded him of Ralph the Sheepdog. And so I had Karen print out, Ralph the Sheepdog, don't give up the sheep. <laughs> and uh, he didn't realize it, but that's what God's called me to be. He's called me to be a watcher. To watch the flock. And uh, that's what I do. If anybody knows me, they know I watch. I watch what goes on. 
I'm, I'm, I just do. You know, he's, a long time ago he said in Scripture, says, watch and pray. You know, you can't watch with your eyes closed. And when God called me and my wife to the streets, you definitely don't close your eyes. They're always open. In church, I watch and I pray. I lay hands on somebody. I'm watching because I want to see what's going on. I want to be aware of my surroundings. I want to see it. I want to see what the Holy Spirit's doing. If you got your eyes closed, you don't have a clue. Not being unspiritual, but it's very spiritual. So watch and pray. So I'm a, I'm a sheepdog. I told Shane the other day about that. And he said, what's a sheepdog? Well, he watches about for the wolves. He watches for the, the predators coming in. I said, yeah, but something else he does. He watches the sheep. And if the sheep gets away from the flock, he'll go over there and give them a little nip. To get them back to the flock. And sometimes we all need a little nip. You know what I'm saying? Need a little nip. I love, I love King David. And there's a, some books I really like called uh, Day of War. It's about David. It's a, it's a novel series, so it's just a few scripture about, it's about David and about the anointing on David. And uh, one of his men... It was asking, how did you find about the covering? How did you learn about the covering? What is it that goes on with you? And he said, when I was a shepherd, there's this one little lamb, and it would not stay with me. He said, it would leave the flock, and I have to go look for it. He said, one night, a storm came up. And that little lamb was gone. And I got the rest of the flock settled in, and I went searching for that one. He'll leave the 99 to go search for the one. And he said, I searched for that little one. And I finally found it. It was pouring down rain. It was black. And so I picked up the lamb, and I carried it back to a cave where I had to rest the flock at. He said, I start singing to that little lamb. And I sat down with it. And I took its leg, and I snapped it over a rock, and I broke it. And then I continued singing, and he said, I set the leg, and I banished it. And then I put the lamb over my neck, and I carried that lamb. I carried it. You know, that lamb never left my side. It stayed with me for the rest of its life, and it bores much wool. That's what a shepherd does. That's what a shepherd does. He watches the flock. So I'm Ralph. <laughs> Maybe not Ralph, but I am Dan. So Romans, the goodness of God, leads us to repentance. A couple weeks ago, We were at house, and I was outside doing something. And I came in, I was looking for my wife. And the front door was open, I looked out there, and she's out the front. And there's a, young, there's a man and a young lady out there. And uh, I had an idea who was going on, but not sure, so I walked out there. And my wonderful bride says, oh, this is my husband, Reverend Daniel. And she proceeded to go back in the house. <laughs> well, they were JWs. And we had a, I enjoyed talking with them. We had a wonderful conversation. And the, the gentleman was basically training up this young lady. So we were talking a lot of things, you know, we were just having a good time. And the young ladies, they were getting ready to leave. And she said, well, next time we come back, I have a question for you. I said, what's your question? And she said, well, what's the way the society is going right now? What do you think? What do you think? 
And I said, well, you have to go to the beginning. Where's the beginning? Genesis. Go to Genesis. We're going to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. That's beginning, right? Beginning. And I started to explain to her what was going on. The history of creation. Where God spoke in the darkness. Light. He created. Right? The earth, the stars, the sun, everything. He created everything. And then he decided... You create a man. Did he have to create a man? He decided he wanted to. Why? He, did he need the companionship? I think there was something in his heart as a parent where he wants offspring. And so in verse uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 26. He says, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. That word in actually is, from what I've read, as. Let us make man as our image. Different connotation. As our image. And that's, that's saying that you have the ability to rule. Remember when he gives them dominion? Just the way God rules is how we rule. It says like a, a governor rules. That's the governor of the state of Ohio. He has the authority. Where does our authority come from? God. So he says, make as our image. So God created man in his image, verse 27. His own image. And he, chapter 2, verse 7. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. He breathed the spirit. He breathed that life. We are created in his image. As his image. As he is, so are we. We have no deficiencies. God is not deficient. And he created us like he is. We have the mind of Christ. It took me a year. I, this has been the past five years that I've actually realized that I have the mind of Christ. <laughs> you know? I used to have these crazy thoughts, and I thought, that's just damn. That's just, well, I come to realize the Holy Spirit I have his mind. And it changes things. It changes things. He became a living being. Verse 8. And God created a garden. And that's where he placed the man that he had formed. He placed him in that garden. And then he gave him commands. What did he tell him to do? You can have all these trees. You can have all the fruit. Everything you want. Except for that one. Except for that one. Was it a test? To see if he'd be obedient? What was he doing? He needed everything. And then he said he brought Adam in the garden, and he started creating the creatures, the birds, and everything. And he says, gave Adam the command to name them. I, I, I told Karen, I said, I kind of look at 
Can you see God's with Adam? You say, what's he going to call this one? I mean, God didn't name him. Adam named him. Where did he come up with that name? Platypus? What in the world? You know, I heard a guy say one time a platypus is all the parts that God had left over if I made a platypus. But there's nothing like it. Got a bill, I mean, it's, a, you know, it's this thing. But what did God think when Adam was naming these animals? I think he was enjoying himself. This is his, this is his kid. It's like you with your kid. Wait, I'm, I can just see him smiling on his face, laughing. I think he really enjoyed himself. And he came out and walked with him in the cold of the day in the garden. Could you imagine the conversations? I mean, my gosh. Rick, how would you like to be walking with God in the garden and having a conversation like that? Oh, that's right. You walk with him every day anyway and have conversations with him. Sometimes in the cool of the day. And then God had this wonderful idea. That's not good for man to be alone. Don't give him a help me. They called the sleep, come upon Adam. Took out the rib, made a woman that's helped me. In verse 24, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and wife, and were not ashamed. They were both naked, were not ashamed. Then you know the rest of the story, right? Serpent comes in, tempts Eve. Did God really, did he really say that? He said, he just don't want you to be as wise as he is wise. He knows if you eat of that fruit, you'll be just like God. Did he really say, and the devil still uses the same thing. He still uses the same tactics today. Did he really say? And so Eve ate. About, I don't know, about six months or so ago, we were sitting at home, and my grandson called me up. And him and his buddies were having a theological discussion about the apple. Did Eve really eat the apple? I said, well, get your Bible. So he went and got his Bible. So him and his two buddies, we were having a little Bible study over the phone about Eve eating the battle, eating the apple. I said, it doesn't really say. It says it was fruit. It doesn't say it was an apple. It says it was fruit. You know, I love apples. Who doesn't love apples? Barry loves that. You know, forbidden fruit. But we had this, the apple. So, but the thing was, it was a discussion we had. And I comes back and I said, well, you know, the whole thing comes down. It was woman's fault. Adam said. And besides, that was God's fault. So he ate the fruit. Verse 6, chapter 3. The one the woman saw at the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree decided to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. He also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. When they knew that they were naked, for some reason that guy feeling the shame came in. You went from being naked and unashamed to being naked and shamed. 
Why? Because of disobedience. Because of disobedience. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the man called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was a naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree, which I command you not to? And then the man said, the woman that whom you gave me, she gave me the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is that you have done? And the serpent, she said, the serpent gave it to me and I ate it. And it goes on down where he cursed the serpent. When I was reading this, and I was doing some other studying on the stuff, it says Adam lived to be like 930 years old. Life was good in the garden. He had tasted the goodness of God. He'd gone from that to living, I mean, hit everything he wanted. Now my ground, the ground is cursed. All this stuff comes on him. And so they had two sons, right? Cain and Abel. Adam sinned. Did you ever think about what would happen if Adam had taken his rightful authority? God gave him dominion over everything. I'm talking to me. How many times we've been rough, run roughshod over by the enemy because we haven't taken our rightful authority over him? Amen. He's given us, he says, all authority is given. Adam had all authority. He had dominion over it. Eve? Adam could have taken authority over it, but he didn't. And it says in chapter 4, verse 1, Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived him and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and other fat, and the Lord rejected Abel, Respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door. And his desire is for you, but you should roll over it. Something about sin, should I have dominion over you? Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and killed him. <coughs> and God said, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. We've gone from Adam and Eve in the garden walking. Naked and under shame. To having their eyes open, to becoming wise. Being cast out of the garden. Having their eldest son killing his youngest brother. A murderer. 
says he'll be a fugitive and a vagabond. What's a vagabond? A wanderer. Wandering, no place to settle. How many ever been unsettled? You wandered. You wandered all over the place. Every one of us has been a vagabond. And a fugitive running from God. Wandering from place to place. Throughout the scriptures it goes where Adam's descendants keep sinking lower and lower and lower. He has another son, Seth. You know, after that, you never hear much about Cain. You don't read Cain and Abel. You hear about Seth. The genealogy is Seth. There's no Cain and Abel. It's Seth. And Seth had his sons. Right? One of them was Lamech. And Lamech was the father of Methuselah. At this time... Adam is still alive. And he's seeing the depravity of mankind. Can you imagine that? From what you had, what you see going on now? The burden on that man? Knowing that he's responsible? That if I had done what I was supposed to do, this would not be happening? The goodness of God leads us to repentance, right? <laughs> it's true. In Genesis 6, Now, when it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves and all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children of them. These were the mighty men of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. When God created man, he breathed the spirit into him. He also gave that man a heart. I believe it was part of God's heart. And his heart got corrupted. And the more the sin crept in, the more the enemy came in. And these things were going on. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God wanted to wipe out mankind. Remember in Exodus for uh, Moses. Moses was taken out and, and God said, get out of my way. I'm going to wipe them out. I'm tired of them. They're a stiff-necked people. Stand out of my way. And Moses interceded for him. You can't do that. What will everybody say about you? And said God repented. He changed his mind. Okay. Fine. Uh, a while back, about a couple months ago, we had a friend of ours and her friend, her, her boyfriend came to our house for dinner. They wanted counseling. She's a Christian and he's not. 
And his problem with God was God's a mass murderer. And there's two out of scripture, God told him the, the Canaanites, kill them all. That was his problem with God. And so we had a lengthy uh, conversation about that. He started out really, the conversation when we started dinner, really nice. He said, you know, I don't like missionaries. <laughs> so we got off to a real good start, you know what I'm thinking? <laughs> You go down and try people, change people's mind to believe the way you believe, and that's not right. But he said God was a mass murderer. Right here, God was going to be a mass murderer. And he said he was grieved in his heart because he saw what was going on with the mankind. He says, I will destroy man who I've created from the face of the earth both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But, I love when you have a but, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah His father was Lamech. His grandfather was Methuselah. You know what Methuselah means? After my death, judgment. After my death, judgment. There's some who say it's not the right translation. Some says it is. But after my death, judgment. Because when Methuselah died, not that far afterwards, the flood. And God commanded Noah. And God told Noah, the end of flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make, sir, make yourself an ark of, go of gopher wood. Make room in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubics and width 50 cubics and high 30 cubics. You shall make a window. And he goes on, describes how to build this thing. Gopher wood. What's gopher wood? Where do you get gopher wood from? It's not existent now. We don't have a clue. Gopher wood. I want this thing this big. I said a, a cubic is 20.4 inches. The Arky Center is going to be 525 foot long, 75 foot wide, 45 deep feet high. How much lumber is that? It's like 3.1 million board feet. So last night I was in taking my shower and I'm there thinking, I'm thinking, did he go to Lowe's? Where did he get it from? Where? Menards? Kibler's? He walked up to the service desk and said, I need to order 3.1 million square feet of this gopher wood. <laughs> really? Well, you know, well, I was told to build this boat. What's a boat? What are you talking about? Well, God told me I need to build this thing because he's going to destroy the earth. And I need to get ready for it. You're crazy. This is how my mind works, okay? Welcome to my wife's world. <laughs> I mean, they said it took him between 100 and 120 years to build this thing. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? I was reading up on uh, the Ark encounter and what it took them to build that thing in a year and a half. 
all the planking, all the timbers, there's like 3.1 million of planking and 5 million board foot of timbers inside of the thing. Massive. Massive. And they had down there, they had the Amish come in to put it together. I told Karen, I almost wore my Amish hat tonight, but I didn't. Massive. Well, who helped? Who helped Noah build it? The sons? Once you look at Hebrews, excuse me, 2 Peter. 2 Peter. Chapter 2. Second Peter. <laughs> Let's go to first one. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way the truth will be blasphemed. But covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. But if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and deliver them in the chains of darkness to be served for judgment, did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Man worked a hundred years on this boat. One of his neighbors came over to help him. I mean, my neighbor needs help. I go help my neighbor. Heard a Bob next door come over with a cup of coffee in the morning and said, Hey, Noah, what are you doing with all this wood out here? What are you building? We laughed at him. Maybe he mocked him. Don't know. But he's a preacher of righteousness. You know what amazes me about that? When the ship set sail, there was only eight people on it. He was preaching righteousness. And him and his family. And everybody else was destroyed. When I first started, first time I ever preached... It was up at Athens, Ohio. Halloween party. On the corner, my friend walked over and he stuck a microphone in my face. He said, preach. And I never preached in my life. And so what do you do? You open your mouth and you start proclaiming. And people start throwing pennies at me. And I said, oh, come on. At least you can do this throw quarters. They didn't. First time I preached, never forget it, Wood Craycroft, Frank Columbus, preaching righteousness. And you go to church the next day and people say, how many did you get saved, brother? How many did you get saved? So I go downtown on the streets and I'm walking the streets witnessing the people. Come back to church, how many did you get saved today? What kind of preacher are you? What kind of preacher are you? And that's because what happens then. You start beating yourself up. You start hitting yourself and beating yourself. Oh, I'm not doing nothing right. 
And then you come to realize, I can't save a fly, much less a soul. I can't save nobody. But I can tell you what I can do. I can be a witness. What does a witness do? Me and my wife, we, we, uh, we, like, we watch Bull on Monday night. Anybody watch Bull? <laughs> Attorney guy, whatever. When you get up on that stand, you just say what you know. You tell the truth. We're a witness. All we can do is proclaim the truth. I don't make the decision for you. And when I got a hold of that truth, it set me free. It really did. The responsibility is not on me. The responsibility is on them and the response that they have. This man was a preacher of righteousness for a hundred years. And only eight of them got on the boat. So you've been witnessing to somebody or talking, you ain't got no, doesn't matter, you're a witness. You tell what you know. Once I was lost and now I'm saved. It's about the power of God. So it is. As Matthew. Matthew 24. We're getting there. Got it? Matthew 24. Verse 28. All right. No. Verse 38, excuse me. But that, 24, 24, 38. But of that day and hour, no man knows, but even, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking Marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. We're living in those days. We're living in those days. Wickedness. Where they're calling good, evil, and evil good. The last version church says, every man did what was right in his own eyes. If you disagree with my sin, you're this, or you're that, or you're a racist, you're this. You, you disagree with my sin, they attack. I do believe in my heart that we're going to be like Noah in these last days. And be preachers of righteousness. That we're going to take a stand for righteousness' sake. That's what I believe. Back in Genesis, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Back to chapter 6. Yep. Actually go to, uh, let's, let's go first chapter 6, verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. All that God commanded him. Not part. All of it. And then the Lord said to Noah, chapter 7, said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and your household. 
because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Really never noticed that before. He said, come into the ark. He didn't say, go into the ark. He said, come. His presence was in the ark. He's with us. He was with Noah and his family. And it says, then he closed the door. Come into it. I have created this, this sanctuary for you, a place of safety. Come in with me. Or I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you to the end of the age. This is what he is. This is what he does. And Noah is in chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, the hall, right? The wall of fame, the hall of fame. He was a preacher of righteousness. All that because of one man's sin. And it affected the entire. And so the young lady, the J.W. standing in my front door. <laughs> this is where it all started at. And what we're seeing now is a fruit of that one man's sin. How many trees did it take to build the ark? Trees. I saw this the other day. I thought it was pretty cool. Someone wrote, everything I need to know about life, I learned from the ark. Noah's Ark. Take down these notes. One, don't miss the boat. <laughs> remember, too, remember that we're all in the same boat. Three, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Number four, stay fit. When you're 600 years old, someone may ask you to do something really big. Got that, Lee? <laughs> Stay fit, brother. Number five, don't listen to critics. Just get on the job that needs to be done. Number six, keep your business afloat. Number seven, for safety's sake, travel in pairs. Number eight, speed isn't always an advantage. The snails were on board with the cheetahs. I can relate to that. Number nine, when you're stressed, float a while. Number ten, remember that the ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic by professionals. No matter the storm, when you're with God, there's always a rainbow waiting. And number 12, watch the woodpeckers. Watch the woodpeckers. Oh, Lord. Rainbow waiting. Watch the woodpeckers. Our culture is in those days. We have to take a stamp. There are those, we know Satan's agenda. Kill, steal, and destroy. That's always been his agenda. He wants to be God. He's always wanted to be God. He's not God. He'll never be God. And I'm a, I believe with all that's in me. 
that we can go back pre-sin, pre-fall, and be naked before a God and unashamed. That's what I believe. As Adam was, we can be. Jesus on the cross. It's finished. What's finished? The curse. Sin. It's done with. You confess your sins. What he does he do with your sins when you confess them? As far as east to the west. He remembers them no more. The only one to remember them is you and the devil. God don't remember them. You ever talk to God about your sin? And he tells you, what are you talking about? I don't remember it. I have nothing to be ashamed of. I'm covered by the blood. His grace is upon me and my family. I appreciate Shane saying the WWDD hour. That's where we're at. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. We didn't get there yet. We will. But when you get back and start reading where you came from, I'm hoping and I'm praying that my little J.W. girl comes back to my front door. And we can have the rest of the story. Never miss an opportunity. I know a lot of people don't want to talk to them. But you're a witness. You tell them what you know. You share the truth with them. You share the truth. I knew where she was going to go with her story. I knew exactly where she wanted to go. I didn't let her go there. And they had to leave. They had to leave. What a pity. But please come back. Please come back. Uh, that's where we're at for right now. That's what I got for tonight. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully it gives you something to think about. You know, there's big tasks that we have. Every one of us has been called to do something.